What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. Happy Black Liberation Month, y'all. Some of y'all may know this month as Black History Month. Well, I want to let y'all know Black History is made every single day. This week, I have a great episode for y'all. First, I wanted to plug my Instagram real quick. If you want to know when an episode drops, if you want to check out what's going on with the show, get some dope resources for conversations and equity work, if you just want to connect with me about an episode you listen to, or, I don't know, peep the rebrand of the podcast that may or may not be happening next month for RTWD's birthday, then I highly encourage you to follow me on IG at RTWD Podcast. That is RTWD Podcast on Instagram. Go check it out, y'all. Now, on to the guest. This week, I talk with one of my good friends, my guy, Brandon Andrews. I've known B for a minute, going back to when we went to school together. I'm always a little bit older than him. I graduated, he was still there. I was his supervisor when he was an RA, and we've just kept in touch ever since. Brandon is currently working at a university in the admissions department, and he's pursuing his master's degree in higher education. Salute to you, black man, go get that education. Now, B is one of those people that you can clown around with one second, but get down to talking some real shit the next. I think the reason why it's so easy to talk to B is because, I mean, he's literally one of the kindest and warmest people that you you will ever meet. And I've watched him grow and mature as a person, and I cannot be more proud of who this man is becoming. So it is long overdue to get him on the pod, and I am so excited. In this two-part conversation, we talk about the labels and stereotypes that are placed on us black men, the ones we choose to place on ourselves, and how we are both learning to unburden ourselves with the need to make others comfortable with our blackness. This is a dope one, y'all. I hope you enjoy it. All right, here's Brandon. And so as far as like labels, like how would you even describe a label? I would describe a label as just an aspect of a person's personality Mm. that kind of gets almost elevated to that to that being attributed to that person's entire personhood. Got you. So instead of it being, you know, just an aspect of a of a person's life, it now turns into something that's, you know, defines who they are as a person to other people. Um whether whether intentionally or unintentionally. So, yeah. you know, like for myself I grew up playing basketball a lot. And so um I would get, you know, labeled with an athlete tag or with basketball as my label and instead of that being just something that is a part of me that i like to do and yeah it's something i like to talk about every now and then but there are other things you know other facets of my life and my personality that i have going on too so passing by now always be at the forefront mm-hmm. that's the thing that is so easily identifiable with me or is the easiest thing to be like oh that's what he does and so it, it turns it turns into that yeah do you feel like there's a difference between label and stereotype um yeah labels probably are more generally given to white people okay Uh, (laughs) uh, i mean i mean um, i mean that's that's more semantics than anything um but yeah i think just um a label can be a stereotype um because a stereotype has 
the word stereotype has more of a negative connotation to it mm-hmm. and something that is more systemic, whereas a label can be a little bit more personal um, to each, to an individual. Um, because pe- all different people have labels, but a stereotype is something that you didn't even necessarily create for yourself, but something that because of your you know, ethnic heritage, your culture, your race, your upbringing is something that you have unintentionally kind of uh, reinforced into the minds of people who don't really know better than to look deeper into into that cultural heritage and to see why, you know, that might be, you know, a cultural norm as opposed to a stereotype. No, that 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 makes sense. I, I like how you how you broke that down. And you said like stereotypes are like systemic. And yeah, I, I I'm <laughs> I'm curious about that cuz like, you know, to a certain extent like some stereotypes are like there is some far-reaching like truth to them you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. not like like for sure for sure but there's like a generalized like truth to some of them like for black folks like well yeah for black folks it's like you you mentioned basketball so i'll I'll just take that one so like the label you can be labeled as like a basketball player like a a athlete um Mm -hmm. just by playing basketball like any person could be like if you just play basketball like anybody could get that label like you earn that label systemically like you see a ton of black people playing basketball it doesn't matter where you go in the u.s like that's the stereotype that black people play because because you know that's what you see but i think it i think yeah you're right when it becomes like systemic or even like societal like a societal norm or or not societal norm but like a belief right that all black people play basketball Uh, i I think to to take it to like zoom it out a little even more um i think in general with athletics that's what um that's a stereotype you see for black people so um take it from like a perspective of like you said we we both went to vanguard which was an extremely white space Mm. and so i'm sure coming into vanguard maybe your freshman year um white people would see you around and maybe ask you if you were like on the basketball team or if you were on maybe the football team, not football team, we didn't play football, baseball team or like soccer. If you played a sport, were you running track? Did you do high jump? Um, and just that idea that black people are entering specific spaces with only kind of one purpose and one intent, which is normally maybe athletics, mm-hmm. um, because that is where there are in value, our value inherently comes from instead of it being oh, maybe they're here because they wanted to study such and such and they want to be this and that and they think Vanguard's a great place to be. No, they're here because of athletics and because that's what they're, you know, able to do and that's how they were able to make their way in here. Unlike me, who just came in, you know, to be a biology manager. I think that's, zoomed out like that, I feel like is more what I mean when when it's a stereotype and when it's systemic because Obviously, the stereotype, the bigger stereotype from that is that black people are just more athletic than other, you know, races of people. Mm-hmm. Which, which honestly isn't true. I used to hold that label as far as athletic. Like, I mean, been an athlete all my life, and like that's a label that I openly accept because like that's a part of like who I am. Like that's right. am I, that's that's me. I think the stereotype is yeah. The stereotype would come in as like. I am black, therefore I am athletic, which is, that's not, that is not true. Like that's, that's not true. I've seen some very unathletic and I've seen some, I've seen some really athletic, um, white boys that can jump out the gym. So it's just, yeah, it's just like, um, 
Alex Caruso. So it's just like, uh, it's just <laughs> like, goat. yeah, we just got to, I think it, it's frustrating more specifically for, to be black and like having these label labels, one that are like placed on us or that we quote unquote earn. But I oh. feel like the rub is, is like when our, the labels that we want and the stereotypes rub up against each other. And I think mm-hmm. that's the most frustrating part of like, how do I shed, how do I shed those stereotypes? How do I shed the labels that I don't want? However, how do I like, how do I keep um, the pieces of me that I do want? You know what I'm saying? I say, I say like we have to shed those, but like we shouldn't have to, which it, it's, it's just like incredibly frustrating. <laughs> you right. know what I'm exactly. saying? Like it is incredibly frustrating. Like you said that example of, of going to Vanguard and like, I just remember I was asked that my entire time at Vanguard, it didn't matter what year, even when I worked there, I was asked that. I would tell people like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I play basketball, but like, I'm not on the team. Um, like, I do that as and a And then they kind of get disappointed, like, oh. Yeah, oh, like, did you, and then the, and then, the, then it comes up of like covering themselves because like, they, re- there's this um, internal like, oh shoot, mm-hmm. black dude asked them. And we're talking about, and for the listeners, we're talking about white people asking black folks, do they play basketball? Uh, and exactly. this happens all the time. So, and it's just kind of like frustrating to like be asked that question. And I feel like some people would be like, well, I mean, you're tall, like you're six three, six four. Yeah, sure, I, I feel you. But like, you know, um, I think the automatic assumption, like every single time, like, oh, do you play basketball? It's just, it's just that's kind of that's kind of frustrating. Exactly. To me. Show, show, show me, show me the the instance where uh, a knock kneed white boy. Same same height as me um, is walking through the this same campus and people are asking him if he's on the basketball team mm-hmm. or is it specifically because I you know I I carry myself a certain way and yeah I, I mean I won't deny that I did athletics and enjoy basketball um, but to be for that to be you know the first question or like the the ultimate thing that you're wanting to get to is oh do I have a new friend that's on the basketball team. Um, over time, it it feels like the care is not about me, but more about do I does this potential person fit into this box so that I can have this as a part of you know my 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 match set of um, people who who fit into the molds that I need them to fit into. Yeah, and I actually want to even talk about something that you even shared before because like when somebody asks you that question, it's like you only belong here. And I think you're you're that's what you're saying right now. You only belong here because you play basketball. It's exactly. not like it's not by your your academic merit. It's not by like even if it's not even necessarily academic merit, it's like I wanted to come here. Like I I this is the place that I wanted to, to come. I wanna I wanna mm-hmm. enjoy this place. And so like it's it's just crazy to me that yeah, a tall white boy probably gets asked if he's on the basketball team, but a tall black person, I guarantee you, gets asked that question ten times more than that tall white boy. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And I think the the insulting part, yes, the the just really insulting part about that is like, it just goes back to that like um, entertainment factor, like black dude, like jockish kind of like label, or stereo. I would say mm-hmm. stereotype because I, I we have already made like the differentiation between those two things, like that stereotype of like a black guy on a predominantly white campus is here to play basketball. And like that's just like incredibly it's just it just sucks like that is the experience. I endured and you endured. To some extent there's like a cool badge of honor with that, but like, you know, like I was a history political science major. I wanted to be a lawyer in my undergraduate. Like 
I was, I mean, and not to say that basketball players don't want that, but the thing is, is like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not on the basketball team, and I don't need to be asked that le- legitimately five to ten times a day, uh, <laughs> five to ten times a day um, for four years. Like, uh, do I play basketball? And this is not. I mean, this is from anywhere from students to faculty yes. to staff. Like everybody's asking that question. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy to me. Oh, I just remembered a hilarious. Uh, this is a hilarious breakdown of stereotypes. This was after I graduated. So I was with my, my girlfriend at the time, and I think it was over a weekend, and we were driving through kind of the, you know, the back neighborhoods near Back yeah, Bay yeah. with the, like, really ritzy mm-hmm. houses and stuff like that. So we were driving through one of those neighborhoods, and we saw a, a sign-up for, like, an open house, and it was, like, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, hey, it looks like a cool house. It looks, you know, kind of new and modern. Do you want to go in and just, you know, walk through? She's like, okay, sure. So we stop, park, get out of the car, or walk in. Um, the only person that's there is the real estate mm. agent, um, this older uh, white woman. And for reference, my girlfriend at the time was white as well. Um, and so we were walking through the house, and she's showing us, giving us kind of a tour. You know, it's a decent house. but um, And she kind of asked, like, it, are we actually interested in, in purchasing? And obviously, we're not going to be like, no, we're broke. Because then it's like, why are you here? Please mm-hmm. leave. Um, and we wanted, we wanted to see the yeah. house. Um, so we are like, oh, yeah, we're thinking about it. And yada, yada, yada. And she was like, you know, you're really tall. Do you oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and I, didn't, I didn't initially take it in, in the, the way of stereotyping. It took me a minute for it to register yep. because it, was kind of, it went from conversation to jumping into that question. And so it didn't feel like it was like a, there's something about you. Um, but she, I was like, yeah. And she's, because I'm thinking like, oh, she thinks, you know, I play basketball, like, you know, recreationally or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I play basketball. And then <laughs> I kid you not, the next thing out of her mouth was LA Oh Lakers. no. <laughs> oh no. I said, oh no. I said, I, I, and then I was like, okay, yeah. I see what this is. And I was like, and I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, what, and she was like, what was your name? And I was like, Brandon Andrews. I guarantee she Googled me and did not find a lick. That's of me hilarious. Like, That's hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. And she ended up calling me the next week and was like, oh, what do you think about the house? Do you think you want to put an offer in? I was like, I got to talk to Coach. That's <laughs> funny as hell. The, the funny thing is, is like I when me and Lens lived in Orange County, like I knew I could probably if I dressed up a little bit, you know, like a little bit of swag. Um, Cause I'm taller and yes. just like walked in like I own the place or whatever, I could probably pull that off too. Cause if they don't know the team or whatever, like I could probably pull that off. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm on the G League team. Got a little got a little money in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? G League players don't have enough money you know, to, to pay for those houses over there. But yeah, not at all, not at all. They get paid the same thing I yeah. do. I think. Well, a few. Yeah, a, a few. few yeah, making good money. You could have walked in and been like, "Hi, I'm Paul Palmer." <laughs> I'm here. I just wanted to see if I could get me a house in California. Well, for for when for when I'm in the office. <laughs> oh man, but I, it's I mean it happens all the time. It's just it's just crazy to me. It's just so funny. So I, I yeah I'm I'm curious though like with this like does a label or what we prescribe on people like the labels that we put on people like matter then, and we could even. We're talking about labels and stuff. Well, of I was gonna say, right? I was or gonna say, like, let's like even look at both, like, you know, sure. as far as like a label or a stereotype. Do they do those labels and stereotypes matter? And like, when we put them on people, do they matter? 
Sure. Um, I think that again, and I know this is probably like a wishy-washy answer, but it's it's kind of subjective. It's subjective to each person. Um, for me, someone who's you know has gone through a, a large part of their life seeking outside validation mm-hmm. instead of being validated, you know, inwardly of myself, I think certain labels do matter. You know, am I you know a nice person? Am I cool? Do you know, am I likable? Am I fun to be around? Um, do people see me and uh, see me play ball and they're like, oh, he's great at ball. That's a, that's a cool guy and stuff like that. Um, with stereotypes, um, I think, I think those, it's less important how people outside of your, your culture and your uh, heritage um, think about it and more if you're adhering to those within your culture mm. you know if you were to go out maybe somewhere else and i don't know about you when i get around black spaces and you know my my code switching comes out mm. real hard um to where i'm like you know I, i'm i'm laying the brother talk on yeah, real yeah. thick and, you know we might be talking about you know you know laying down a game of space and I'm like, oh man i'm i'm with you i'm with it i've never played space yeah before <laughs> But I'm, but I'm not about to sit here and let these black yeah. people know that. No, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hip to it. Um. So, but then again, I think about it, and I think about stuff that my granny used to tell me. And one thing she always used to tell me is, "You are what you answer mm-hmm. to." And so, if you allow people to to label you and allow those labels to stick to you. Um, by only responding with those with those things or exhibiting those qualities of yourself and not you know st- standing on you know I have other things about me that are more important to me um, or that define me more than just the things that you may know about me currently then I think then those labels do matter to you more but if you're fine with you know they can think whatever they want about me I'm gonna be over here doing my thing and caring about the things that I need to mm-hmm. care about and the things that actually matter to me then I would say those labels don't necessarily matter to you. Yeah. I started thinking about like legacy when we talk about like those things that we're known, like we're known for, Mm -hmm. like being a nice person, you know, being a hooper, being, you know, the cook or whatever, like these things. Yeah. I'm curious for you. How do you, how do you differentiate for yourself? You know what I'm saying? Like the things that you want to keep, the the labels or the things that people say about you or the legacy that you want to keep. How do you, even being a young person, um, how do you like mm-hmm. define those and iron those things out right now um, as you move along your life? Because you identified some key things um, that I feel like are important. You say like, you know, I spent a majority of my life looking out at validation and like even using those labels or stereotypes as like some form of like credit and taking out the, the good or the bad of, of those. You know what I'm saying? So how do you right. find the things that like one are like healthy and true about you um, and two, how do you continue to keep those going and shut off those old things? It's it's a fine line to walk, to be honest, um, because I, I meet new people all the time. Well, I mean, I used to before, you know. Yeah, shut the down. before time. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the ooh, it's gonna people are not gonna know how to yeah, talk that's to each other. Yeah, it. I used to meet like people all the time and would try to just. Um, be as genuine and nice as I could be, especially when I was, you know, obviously you meet, you are more prone to meeting people when you're in the mm-hmm. mood to, because you can go, you know, you can walk through a whole target and never say nothing yeah. to nobody. 
kind of keeping keeping the best things about you at the forefront and not necessarily in a way of presenting but just also but just making sure that you're aware especially you know when you look the way that we do and when you live in the spaces that we live um that eyes are gonna be yeah. on you and so you always want to make sure that you're not um putting forward um unintentionally any any kind of um any kind of thing that would set back those that are coming along mm-hmm. with you uh, while at the same time kind of maintain not kind of maintaining authenticity in yourself um, because you can be a nice person and still not like take take nonsense yeah. you can be a cool guy and still have respect for yourself um, that goes that doesn't mean you know you have to be likable to everybody and agreeable to everybody and that's also part of it too is um you know, the legacy that gets left behind is dependent on what, you know, people say about you because you're not the one that's espousing your own mm-hmm. legacy. You don't get, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily have plans to write a memoir or anything that anybody's going to be, you know, reading about me in the way that I decided to live my life. So whatever people end up saying about me in the end is what my legacy will end up being. And so if I have people around me and the people that I've been around are, um, you know, remember me fondly and say, he was a great guy. He was nice. He was kind. He was genuine. He was authentic. He he didn't mince words. Um, he stood on what he what he said and he meant it. He was you know uh, he would follow through when he needed to follow through. He would he would be straight up with people. Those are good legacy qualities, but those aren't. Uh, I can't. I don't get to decide whether or not people believe those things mm-hmm. about me. I only get to try to act those things out as best I can and whatever happens is the consequence of whatever happens, good or bad. Mm. And so I'm sure there are going to be people who, you know, when, when, when I'm all, you know, said and done, there are going to be people who didn't, don't necessarily agree that I was a good guy or that I, you know, was authentic and genuine all the yeah. time based on, you know, things that I may have done um, to them in the past. And that's hard, but it's also, Something I've learned about, um, you know, adulthood uh, is that you can't fix everything. And some things are, you know, you just have to kind of take responsibility for certain things. Things are just sometimes going to be your fault and you have to live Mm -hmm. with that. You have to understand that and you don't get to, you know, change the way someone is going to end up feeling about Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. What labels do you feel like you put on yourself? I I feel like you've described a few of them, but what, what labels do you feel like you put on yourself? Yeah, I try to maintain a level of being, you know, a nice, personable person, someone who's you can always come to if you, you know, are not having a good day or need, need maybe a bright spot and need someone to talk to. I like to try to be as open as I can to people. Um, obviously, that doesn't, you know, set a super healthy boundary off off the rip, but something I'm working on too. Uh, I try to be genuine, authentic. I try to, I try my hardest um, to make sure that one of the first things people say about me is that I'm empathetic, mm-hmm. um, that I can kind of put myself in their position and in their in their shoes to understand where they're coming from, which is why I'm so like I try really hard not to to give people a harsh negative label before I really know context. Um, and you know I'm human, so certain times I can't help it. That was racist. That dude's a racist. But then I try to pull back and say, what's the full picture? Uh, and, you know, with um, respect and obvious, like, 
four or five. There are certain things that you don't really need to be fully empathetic to certain actions, certain yeah. statements, certain, even certain mm. people, um, because they've, you know, they've exposed themselves and they've made their yep, choices. Yep. Um, yeah, I think, I think that those would be kind of the biggest things is just being authentic and being empathetic. Gotcha. Um, yeah. At, at the end of the day, if, if those are the things that people around me um, remember me for, I feel like I would have done, you know, well. Nice. You mentioned when I first asked you that question, you first mentioned uh, like being personable and being nice. Do you feel like, and I know you, and for those people that don't know you, you're, you're, you're six, four black. And so like, um, and like pretty, no, yeah, pretty, pretty, like a, a larger presence. Do you feel like you've had to overcompensate like the niceness, the personal, um, being more personable, um, because of that? Or do you feel like you're just that way with everybody? I feel like I'm sort of that way with everybody, but I think maybe that's been unconscious, subconsciously okay. ingrained is because I'm such a kind of a looming presence and I do have like a little bit of like RBF. <laughs> so like, I'm, 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 I don't, I don't, <laughs> it's, it, uh, it's, 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 it's messed up, but it's true. Like I don't walk around like with a smile on my face all the time. I, that smiling yeah. hurts. Um, and, and also no one's that happy all the time. So if I ever see anybody who has a constant smile mm-hmm. on their face, I feel like they have some, 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 something deep in them that may be hurting that, you know, they have to, you know, put that forward. And so I, I, I that's part of my authenticity is I'll, I'll walk up and I'll be, you know, deadpan, but if you make me happy, you're going to yeah. know it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show it in my actions. I'll show you love pre-quarantine bear hugs bro daps pull people in handshakes all that so i i always tried to be um a welcoming presence just because i i wasn't always super welcome when Mm -hmm. i was a kid and that may be because like i said going back subconsciously i was big and black and i was bigger than all of the other kids from preschool going through kindergarten like kids didn't catch up to like being close to my size until maybe like sixth grade seventh grade before then i was like towering over everybody and so that may have been you know frightening for them or weird for them because they had grown up you know in their little spaces with their friends that were you know around their same height and here comes me with my six six daddy and my five nine mama and they you know put out this huge kid who's big black and like i said doesn't smile all the time so maybe that was scary for them and so maybe subconsciously i decided hey i need to you know do something to make people feel a little bit more welcome be a warming presence and but i also think i attribute that to like my genetic makeup my my dad and my mom as far as i have been able to tell are very joyful mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. um when they when they want to be <laughs> um so so it, it i feel like it's also kind of ingrained in my dna to yeah. be that way um and like you you know my my brother my younger brother blake he's the yep. same way too you know he's he's you know obviously a little bit lighter than me pigmentally but um and so maybe that you know makes him uh, a little bit more safe um for you know certain groups but he's tall black kid yep. too um but he's smiley super nice so we both are raised extremely well by our parents and our grandmother um and so we have that kind of ingrained in us to always be a welcoming kind mm-hmm. presence and not to you know just turn anybody away for the sake of turning people away yeah yeah 
All right, y'all, that is the end of this first part of this conversation. I know I'm cutting it short, but that's what we call in the podcasting world a cliffhanger. Uh, see what I did there because it was a, a cliffhanger. Anyways, part two will be up next week, so be sure to check it out when it drops next Wednesday. In the meantime, go show some love for RTWD on IG at RTWD Podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts and takeaways from this week's episode. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas. Additional production help by the incomparable and lovely Lindsay Dumas with music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. All right, y'all. Till next time. Peace.